We are related to welcome you to Inspiring Voices from the Classroom. Inspiring Voices is a one-of-a-kind show designed to recognize and highlight current mathematics classroom teachers and provide a positive platform that allows their authentic voices to be heard. Ricardo Estrada has been teaching math for 14 years at the High School of Sports Management. He was influential in helping to expand the AP Calculus AB program at the Lafayette Educational Campus as well as helping to bring College Now courses to his school. At his school, he collaborates with teachers to develop a curriculum that empowers students while helping them prepare for the rigor of advanced placement courses. As a teacher leader, he has led professional development, inquiry teams, and supported teachers through coaching and mentoring. With Math for America, Ricardo has helped lead professional learning teams with a focus on technology in the classroom and getting students ready for calculus. Let's welcome Ricardo Estrada to Inspiring Voices from the Classroom. Welcome, Thank Ricardo, you. to the show. Thanks for having me, Dr. Childs. How are you Happy doing to today? We're in the beautiful New York City. How, how does it feel to be, in 2022, a mathematics educator in New York City? It feels great because I'm doing what I love to do. Um, and in some ways, I'm doing what I feel I was born to do for this time. But it doesn't come without its challenges, right? New York City is extremely diverse. Um, and I'm not just talking about languages. I'm also talking about cultures. So at the moment, I teach one calculus um, class where you have students that speak different languages, um, English, Spanish, Chinese. Um, and for some, English is not their primary language. That's a class I teach in English. But then I also have an Algebra 1 class that I, I teach to a uh, predominantly Guatemalan student population. They just came into the country. So that class I'm teaching in Spanish. So, right, there's a, there's a challenge there, I think, with, with culture. There's a language challenge. Um, I don't think it's unique to New York City, but perhaps because this city is so diverse, I think it's, uh, it's more pronounced here. You mentioned you teach a class in Spanish. Help our artists understand and help folks around the world understand why is it important to teach the class in Spanish? We're, this is the U.S. Why not teach it in English? Yeah, I, I get the concern, right? You're in the United States, which is why I tell my students from the beginning, uh, even though I am teaching this class in Spanish, you should learn English uh, because it will only help you mm -hmm. to be bilingual. It will only help you to move up the economic ladder. So I tell them that from the get-go. I see myself predominantly as a math teacher, and uh, math isn't, there isn't a culture or a language that has a monopoly on math, <laughs> right? So um, everybody in the world has been doing math, the Greeks, the Aztecs, the Mayans. So um, for me, you know, it's, it's not a problem to to do it in Spanish because that's the language they speak and it just removes another barrier that on top of the other barriers that are there, language isn't the only one, right? So it just removes one of them so we could focus a little bit more on the math. And with you teaching the class in Spanish, do you feel the children are academically successful in that class? Yeah, I think that it's made a difference. This, these this cohort of students that I'm teaching in Spanish, they were placed in another class last year with another teacher uh, who, um, who's a veteran teacher who's taught more years than, than myself. Um, and 
is that a teacher I look up to in many ways, right? And this was the suggestion of that teacher. Like, they should be placed in a class with Estrada, where Estrada could teach them in Spanish, because what we have going um, right now with the with the English language, it isn't best serving them. They would be best served um, with Estrada teaching them in Spanish. So, Paul, this is for our audience. You're teaching them in Spanish. They're being success, successful in being taught through Spanish. It's not a hindrance. You've removed a barrier for them. Y'all hear that, audience? What are we doing? What are you doing? Not we. What are you doing to remove barriers in your educational environment? Something as simple as providing them instruction in their home language is a game changer. There could be a child in that class that's going to do the next great thing in mathematics. And it started because guess what? They weren't locked out of mathematics due to a barrier that could have been removed. Yeah. There are some barriers we may not be able to remove, but as educators, it is incumbent upon us to remove barriers that we easily can remove. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about. But, you know, I, I wanted to say something else oh, about, about the, the language yeah. thing that we were talking about, because, um, right, as teachers, right, there is the math aspect, right? And then there's the human aspect where you're trying to engage students with math, but you're also trying to teach, right, to the human, to the person. And so I think depending on the culture that, that you're teaching, there there are challenges there, right, with who your young boys look up to, right? So um, so I just give you an example, right? Over the summer, I read um, Malcolm X's autobiography, right? And he talks about how as a youngster, he looked up to the hustlers, right? And he became a hustler, right? Like in, in many ways, that was what, that's like the culture that he was in, right? And so uh, he talks about how his math teacher didn't really engage him um, at one point. He also talks good about some of his other teachers. But, you know, he obviously, if you read his book, you know, he he, he went down a path of, you know, selling drugs. And obviously, he, he became great later on. Well, it's the same thing, too, with the with the Guatemalan Spanish population. Right. There is this a lot of a lot of the young boys. They're looking up to the to the narco traffickers. Right. And so. Right. So I'm trying to teach math, but in the back of the mind, my, you know, the, the boy's mind, he's probably thinking, well, why do I need to learn this math? You know, I could just become a millionaire, you know, trafficking drugs or whatever. So I have to engage that part of of I guess we could call it the culture or maybe that's not the word for it, but I have to engage that type of mentality. And so if I don't understand their language and if I don't speak their language, then I can't engage that, right? So you, you remove the barrier to, to also teach math, but also you remove that barrier to, to engage the student, to engage the culture of the student, to engage the mentality of the student, because you're not just teaching math, right? You're, you're there, you're teaching the whole person. So that, that, was, that was the other part I wanted to say about that. Let's, let's park there for a minute. How do you identify? I identify as Guatemalan. You talked about representation, yeah. and that's why I asked you that specific question. You identify as Guatemalan. You have children that identify as Guatemalan, and them, you're a living representation of what they could be, yeah. what they can do, aside from other things that they've seen. Mm-hmm. And when we think about the importance of that representation, and that's part of the reason we started this show, 
was to showcase what are things that folks from different identities can do and what do children see? Well, listen to so listen to this. Right. So last year I got invited to come into their class uh, that uh, Miss Brown was teaching. Remember, I told you they were in this other class. She was like, Estrada, I want you to come in and I want you to talk to them and I want you to tell them your story. Right. Tell them that you're Guatemalan, you know, and and so one of the things I did, um, I did share my story. But, you know, every young boy in Guatemala at some point got dragged into Sunday school (laughs) and they heard the Joseph story. Right. So if you know anything about the Joseph story, right, Joseph got sold by his brothers Mm -hmm. and he became a slave, you know, in Egypt. And he basically made something out of that. Right. He became great, you know, almost became Pharaoh like. And so I tell them that story. And I but I say to them, well, look, Joseph's an immigrant in Egypt. Right. Um, Joseph had to like learn, you know, a new language. And, you know, they're hearing that. And then I say to them, well, look, right, it's the same thing with me. You know, I came into Guatemala uh, and, you know, single parent, single parent home, uh, father, alcoholic. Uh, and, you know, my mother said, like, choose, choose this path of education, right? Because if you choose this other path of hustling, you know, she said, look, it's, it's going to be carcel, muerte, hospital, right? Which means jail, hospital or, or a deathbed. And she was just always pushing that on me. Uh, and so, right, that's what, that's what I'm trying to also push on students. Like for me, the philosophy, like my philosophy of education, Mm -hmm. you asked about that is that it's never stop learning. Right. And that the beginning of wisdom is this, get more wisdom, be self-reflective, be willing to change your mind, be open-minded, but not so much that your brain falls out, collaborate with other great minds, value diversity of thought. And part of that comes from that everything is tied to something greater. So, for example, teaching in geometry, properties of a parallelogram, right? That's part of logic. Like this is a parallelogram. This parallelogram is a rhombus because all sides are equal, but it's not a square because the diagonals are not equal. So that's a mouthful, right? But there's a logic, there's a logic behind that that transcends the math. And so I'm constantly trying to teach students, right? It's Yes, we're doing math, but it's always tied to something greater. So that's that's my philosophy of education. That's what I'm trying to do with my calculus class, with with my um, Spanish population and just getting them to see that it's tied to something bigger. And and thinking about this, something bigger, you're, you're hitting on something there. There are teachers out there teaching children who have immigrated to this country. What would you tell that teacher? Like, what advice would you give them to help them as they're navigating this space and to see what they bring into the space as an asset and not a deficit? That's a challenge, you know. I think that if you have a teacher that doesn't speak the language, right, you can't fault the teacher for that. Right. right. Um, but I've seen teachers, and, and I have to do this too, right, because I also have, like, Russian students, Right. So I, so I'm going to put because that's a challenge, like students that speak a language that I don't speak, mm-hmm. let them use their phones to because a lot of them will they'll just put the phone on top of a top of a text or whatever. And it will let them translate it, let them express themselves in, in their own language uh, as as much as you know, as much as it's practical. Right. For you build a welcoming environment 
if you can group them together, like if one of them is, if maybe you have a student that is multilingual, right, that speaks English, but also speaks Russian, and you can put them in a group, put, a, put them there, right, so that they can help each other out. There isn't an easy solution, right? Because sometimes you may have a student that's like, you know what, I don't really want to do that. You know, I kind of just, I just kind of want to do my own work. Right. And, you know, and you have to respect that too. Just what I would say is be adaptive as, as, as much as you can. Um, be welcoming to the student. Now, you know, don't fault the student for not being able to speak the language, um, right? Many of them, maybe they didn't even choose to, to come to this country, right? So you, we, don't, we don't know the whole backstory. And you don't want to penalize a kid for not speaking. Like that's avoid doing that, right? Like, make sure you've truly assessed whether or not the student understands the math and that you're not penalizing them for not understanding the language. Because I don't think you can fault the kid for that. Right. And it's, again, building upon what they bring into the environment. Mm -hmm. And if we use that asset-based approach that can literally change a child's life. And we as educators have to move beyond just the book or just the, the test. We're teaching people, we're teaching children who are put on this earth for a reason. And are we doing our part to facilitate their life on this earth or are we hindering? Are we putting barriers up right. for them and what they're trying to do? I want to transition because in this show, I, I love to focus on the joy of education. You speak with a passion for what you do. What is bringing you joy as an educator in this space? Man, you know... The first thing that comes to my mind, man, I just really feel like, like this is my purpose. Like this is just, this is what I'm meant to do. You know, um, my sister dropped out of high school and she, uh, she was having a hard time, um, at her school. It was a lot of like social things going on too. She dropped, there was things going on in the home, right? She dropped out and she was like, look, I know you told me not to drop out. Like, I did it. It's done. Can you help me get my GED? So I did. And and then that's when she said, like, you should be a math teacher. You're pretty good at this. And then, you know, just tutoring other people. Like, that's what that's what they would say. You're, you're pretty good at this. So, you know, I just get a lot of joy for because I, I know this is my purpose. And I worked really hard mm -hmm. to, to get to where to get to where I am. Um learning the language, learning the culture. Um, and that's the joy. Like the joy for me is in the ordinary, in the ordinary. Yeah. Yeah. There's days, right. Where, uh, maybe you have, you have to deal with discipline problems, but then you reflect and you say, okay, maybe I could have done that better. Uh, I don't know. That's just the joy I get. I knowing that this is my purpose. I want to do something different on this show. We talked about representation. I believe representation matters, and you're a living embodiment of what's possible. We talked about that earlier on the show. I want you to look in that camera and speak to a young you, because there's a young you out there that's going to watch this. What would you tell a young you? Oh, man. So I would say listen to your mom. <laughs> uh, listen to your mom. Uh, and... You were right about some things. So I didn't get to take calculus in high school. And I think I should have. I should have been given a shot. And I would say, you know, you were right about some things. You Maybe you were wrong about some other things. But 
in the in the future is gonna is gonna get is gonna get better in the future. Um, make sure you make sure you go to college. Um, make sure you really those those teachers that are offering you their time. Be thankful to them for the time that they give you. Uh, listen listen to the teachers. Um, I would also say to myself, don't be afraid to to learn new things. Don't be afraid to learn new cultures. Uh, don't be so stuck on one way of doing things, right? There isn't one way to do math. There's like many, many different ways to do it. Um, discovery approach is great. But also, you know, I believe that drills have their place too. <laughs> I mean, and I know that's a whole debate. Um, and because I, I, I think this, right, um, discipline, right, is discipline can be a great thing. That the, the, the joy of discovery learning is the freedom, the freedom that comes for, from it, right? Because we know that our students, they bring so much to the table, right, whether they speak the language or not. Um, and so discovery lets them put their talents on display, right? They, they sort of get to that place. But drills, I think drills and memorization also helps build fluency. And uh, fluency can help you become even a better discoverer. You see what I'm saying? So if the goal is discovery, fluency can can help that too, right? And the example I like to think of, you know, my girl, she's taking piano right now, right? And the, the teacher's like, you have to practice, right? There's a, there's a discipline to this. And, and she's like, well, why? Well, because then it, you don't even have to think about it, right? You don't even have to look at, and you're more free. You're more free to, to play that song. So I think that drills have been done wrong, for sure. Right. <laughs> uh, so I would tell my young self that, like, early in my career, dude, like, don't go so hard on the drills, you know, be open-minded to discovery. But I would say don't throw it out either, right? Like, make sure you balance that out with discovery. I want to go back to one more thing you mentioned earlier in the episode. You've had the opportunity to instruct calculus. Yeah. In a calculus class, look at me and you. We don't see a lot of us in a calculus class. Yeah. What is missing from experiences from more of, I'm gonna be honest, more of us to be in a calculus class? Man, you know, so I think that it has to start very, very early on, right? We talked about Malcolm X, right? And, you know, the, what he, you know, what, what he said, he, he, a lot of young boys look mm -hmm. up to. Um, and I also shared the Guatemalan boys. And so you really got to get them early on. Uh, I would say, look, in the ninth grade, like identify. If, if you want black boys and brown boys in that calculus class, then you don't identify them in the summer before they take calculus, right? You pick them out in the summer of eighth grade when they're going into ninth grade and you say look man these kids these are my level threes or my level fours and i'm gonna pick these kids and i'm gonna make them a part of a program you know we're gonna kind of like heop you heard you heard of heop heop is like a program they have here for minorities uh when going into college and they offer them tutoring sessions uh they they pay for their books 
and there's like extra support there for them. Something like that, right? You really got to get them early on. Um, if you can't do something like that, then vertical alignment, right? Make sure that your algebra one, your algebra two, your geometry teachers, that they're teaching these students um, the rigor, like with rigor, that they're teaching the content skills that they need in order for them to be successful in calculus. Because if they're not getting it in algebra one, if they're not being exposed to that rigor early on, they they're, they're going to fail when, when they get to calculus. So you have to really be proactive even before um, the, the 11th grade or 12th grade. And then I would say this, right? Um, those students that you have there, those two or three students that they're in your calculus class, you celebrate those students. And, and you, you say to them, man, I'm so glad that you're in this class. And you make them feel like they're a part of this class and that what they have to contribute is just as important as everybody else. Because them being in that class, that's already a challenge for them, right? Because there's only like two or three of them, and then everybody else, right, looks Asian or looks white, looks different from them. And so you you make it known to them, like, look, I'm very happy that you're here, that I, that you're in this space. And may, you know, there's 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 ways to do that throughout the throughout the whole school year. I want to thank you for being on the show and providing this lens and this expertise as needed because you represent a voice that I want to elevate even further in the field because there's so many children out there from historically excluded populations that don't see themselves in what we do. They don't even see the pathways. And I wanted you to keep pushing and doing what you're doing. And to every educator watching this episode, I want to challenge you all. What are you doing to remove barriers for children under your purview? to make sure every child has an amazing mathematics education experience. This has been Dr. Christopher J. Childs, host of Inspiring Voices from the Classroom. Do you want to be a guest on the show? Fill out the online submission form at www.christopherchilds.com shows.